Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Woke up this morning into my car to start my day. First stop is my buyer who six months ago walked away. When I arrived, he treats me like commodity. Give me a speck on his inner connect. He wants price and delivery. And if we're over $20, he tells me this business we're going to lose. Welcome, everybody, to the Value Clarity Podcast, where we remind you that value only exists in your customer's mind, and you've got to get everybody in your company organized around it. Today, I have Brian Crum, an old friend, um, in spite of the fact that I'm uh, from University of Michigan, he's from OSU, uh, a great individual, and he is also uh, works with Caliber Companies. Um, Brian, Brian, why don't you tell us what you do and tell us more about Caliber. Yeah, Mark, it's really great to be on the show with you today. Uh, Caliber, we are a Scottsdale, Arizona-based real estate investment development company, and we have a few kind of niche and areas that we go into that, that kind of comes into play when it comes to different types of value, uh, specifically what we do on behalf of our investors who are typically accredited high net worth individuals, successful business owners, executives, um, you know, corporations, foundations. On their behalf, we acquire, renovate, and operate income-producing real estate in a variety of different verticals. We do predominantly work in the, the greater Southwest. Uh, we are headquartered in Arizona, so our investments are in the contiguous states and neighboring communities like Colorado, Texas, uh, Nevada, Utah, and uh, soon to be hopefully Idaho. And an example of a couple of different investments that we made recently uh, were related to what are called opportunity zones, which are designated census tracts created through a, a federal program back in 2017, where on behalf of our investors with capital gains, uh, we come in and we invest those capital gains dollars into uh, areas that have felt left behind after the success of the last uh, recession. And we've acquired properties, renovated them, converted schools or uh, uh, vacant office buildings into schools, vacant assist living facilities into hospitals, and just looking at innovative ways to uh, bring uh, different types of value related to real estate and tax strategies to our investors. Yeah. So Opportunity Zone, I mean, you do a couple things. One is specialty property types, um, and in consume in in commercial real estate, every individual property type is an art unto itself. So developing expertise in self storage is does you no good at all uh, towards developing expertise in multifamily, which does you no good at all about getting developing expertise in retail or office or you know whatever. Um, so caliber. You have a couple of special property types that you kind of gravitate towards and uh, a couple investment vehicles. And you just mentioned the opportunity zones, which is a, a geographic area designated uh, 
by operation of government that has tax advantage that has tax advantages attached to it by as part of that designation right correct that's correct yes man pretty good for a knucklehead huh no that was pretty good actually that was pretty good for a, a guy that uh, was able to make it through and graduate from the university of michigan <laughs> yep so um you know you're you're helping people um and especially right now what's you know what's the the market for commercial real estate i know residential real estate people are are whining and moaning um especially about interest rates and so forth so kind of what's the environment that you're uh swimming in right now and do you have some headwinds and and some challenges and and if you can uh tell us what you're doing to deal with some of those yeah, no, those are, those are great questions. And I'm going to frame that by referencing the fact that Calibre as a company was actually created by our founders back uh, during the last great recession in the 2008, 9, and 10 era. And it was specifically to help uh, investors access uh, deals that were created by uh, you know the volatility and, and the pullback in the markets. So we're now back at a time where we're out of a bull market for a lot of different types of investments, including real estate. And we're looking at well, how do we deal with where we're at in the economy? You know, potential current or impending recession. You know, dramatic increase in interest rates. And I'll reference a couple of things that's happening in the single family market. Um, and this is going to be more related to Arizona and Colorado and Texas, because those are the main markets that we're in. But as everyone knows, we've really gotten to a point where it, the, the amount of affordability for people to find a place to buy or rent just got really out of whack over the last few years. You know, record low interest rates, a lot of money that was pumped into the economy through the government uh, really created too much inflation. Uh, which is why I think what we're seeing now is a little bit of a, almost an overcorrection by the Fed by, you know, literally doubling, uh, actually more than doubling interest rates from where they were a couple of years ago. And part of what that's doing is this absolutely slowing down the economy, but it's also creating an even bigger issue related to affordability for people to afford to be able to find a place to rent or buy, because they're also looking at the issue that, hey, not just real estate went up in price, but everything, you know, food, gas, energy. Um, so we're, we're dealing with the point where most people's incomes did not nearly keep up with the rate of inflation. Uh, now what we're seeing is an overreaction to that, uh, which means that home prices are pulling back. Uh, the level of affordability, especially for people that need to take a mortgage out to buy a, a single family home um, is really coming into play. So I think we're gonna continue to see at least for the next six, nine months, uh, minimum uh, continued volatility in the single family market. Uh, we're seeing home builders that are seeing, you know, 25, 30% um, you know, uh, rates of uh, people that are pulling back when, when they sign a contract and say, hey, we're not moving forward. So there's a lot of pricing issues related to residential. But what that's doing on the commercial side, especially multifamily uh, or people that own single family homes that they're going to rent out, uh, it's actually creating an even higher level of demand for people that are now at a point where they want to buy something, but two things have happened. One, they can't afford it because of record high uh, interest rates. Well, not record high, but in the last 20 years, we're, we're getting back to that you know, high point. Um, 
And then two, uh, because now home builders are slowing down, we're seeing a decreasing amount of inventory. So we continuously are going to see more people that realize that they're going to have to continue to rent, which is going to continue to create demand on the multifamily side. So a lot of what Caliber is doing now is looking at where are we seeing that displacement in the market and realizing that more more people are going to have to continue or start renting. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why Caliber is in the process of building several apartment complexes in both urban and rural areas to really keep up with that uh, demand where there are people that want to live in all these areas uh, in Arizona in particular, different markets of Colorado and Texas. Uh, but the, the housing affordability has really gotten to the point where they don't feel comfortable buying something in today's market with high interest rates. So they're going to continue to rent. So we're, I think we're going to continue to see uh, pullbacks in pricing, volatility in the single family market, which is actually forcing more and more people to have to, uh, you know, continue to rent. And, and typically those, those are going to be through apartment complexes. Okay. So uh, you say you're, you're building, developing a couple apartment complexes. Is the strategy just to operate those and manage them? Or do you want to um, sell those and, and clear, the, clear that project? And, you know, what, what is the time frame for something like that looks like? I, I'm sure that uh, you've probably got different strategies for different properties, but is there a general rule? Uh, I'm going to reference this in, in as it relates to, is it an, a property in an opportunity zone or is it not? And the biggest difference for that is that the opportunity zone program really encourages investors to have a 10 year plus investment timeframe to really get the full tax advantages of that program. So if we're doing a development in an opportunity zone, we're typically going to look at it from the standpoint of a longer term hold. But if it's the example of a project, and, and I'll give an example of a non-opportunity zone related project that Caliber is working on right now in uh, the one of the South Phoenix uh, submarkets that's near Chandler, Arizona, which is where Intel continuously keeps building and expanding their chip plant. Uh, so a lot of a lot of growth from a job standpoint has been happening in that market. Uh, so Caliber's in the process of building some uh, apartments as well as doing a, a hotel conversion to studios and, and single bedroom uh, apartments uh, just to keep up, keep up with unmet demand in uh, multifamily housing. Uh, something like that easily could be a three to five year type investment uh, where if it's an investment like we have in downtown Mesa, Arizona, uh, because of the expanded Arizona State University technology campus, those are typically going to be longer term holds. Yeah. So the value uh, that you have, right? You're you're you have you're mostly funded by investors, so that the, your customers are really the investors. Um, now, you when you sell a property, obviously there has to be value for to them, but that's that's pretty straightforward. Um, it's rent rolls and and net operating income um, divided by the cap rate that is prevailing at, at that in that market for that kind of property at that time. Correct. So, yep. Um, and and that's the cool thing about commercial it, um, real estate. You kind of know there's there's a relatively straightforward process for calculating the value rather than a real estate appraisal which does, you know, and have, uh, for residential has some uh, quantitative and they, you know, they use comparable properties and, and pretty strict ways of, of measuring, adjust, of, of doing adjustments. But 
um, the commercial property, it always seemed very straightforward to me because it's based off of the income the property produces and, and Correct. a multiple. Um, yeah, yeah. With your with your background in commercial lending, you know you understand the difference of of the way that commercial real estate operates compared to single family, where there's a lot of emotion involved. Um, there's a lot of family dynamics about why people are going to buy or sell or live where they want to, where it's a lot more data driven when it comes to being involved in uh, doing uh, multifamily and other types of commercial real estate. Yeah, when I was in that business, I used to say there's only two things different between residential and commercial real estate, everything you say, and everything you do. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> um, but so your real customers are you're going to be your, your investors, your clients are your investors. And um, what is value to them? What are they looking to solve? I mean, it's not just return. Uh, but there are other things they're looking for, when they're trying to because there's lots of places to get returned, but uh, what does Caliber offer to them that they really appreciate? Yeah, there's a combination of factors. Uh, one is that unless you are actually a hardcore real estate developer and investor, you're not going to see the types of off-market deals in the deal flow that is being brought to Caliber. So if you're a successful doctor or an attorney or a tech executive, you know, you're very busy you know, with your own business and your own life. Uh, these people that are bringing these deals to real estate developers don't know that they should be approaching you with it. So Caliber is very publicly visible, especially within the Opportunity Zone program. Uh, if someone owns land or has a project, uh, whether it's related to, you know, office, industrial, some sort of unique adaptive reuse or multifamily, where we're actually getting the inside track on these deals. And because we're more of a middle market type player, you know, real estate investments between 5 million and 50 million, typically what we're seeing are too big for a small individual investor to do on their own, but they're, they're too small for a big institution. So there's, a, there's actually a value play as it relates to, you know, middle market, secondary and tertiary markets, meaning we're not playing in New York and San Francisco and LA and Boston and Miami. So we're not competing with like big institutions and international investors uh, because we might be looking at a displacement in the market because there's a growing, you know, campus in uh, a university in Texas that is in a small town, the big institutions aren't looking at. So we actually have a, an advantage of finding deals that bring value to the investor um, that they're not going to see on their own and they're not going to get from a big Wall Street institution. So part of that value play is literally just being in on the deal. And then once we determine that this is, you know, a great investment opportunity after looking at all the risks and everything, uh, we can offer that to our investors so they can continue, you know, with being successful in whatever their business is, or maybe they're a retiree and just want to, you know, enjoy their lives and have transitioned from, you know, being actively involved in their real estate portfolio into being more passive. So that's just one example of what we do on behalf of our investors, just bringing them good deals. Yeah. Um, it, it, I think that's just fascinating because I remember being with one of the nation's big institutions and uh, there was, they actually had metropolitan areas with a ranking of a one, two and three. And we were only in, in markets one and two. When I was in Nevada, um, I could lend into Las Vegas, but not into Reno, except for one, yeah. except for one property type 
maybe <laughs> in Reno. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, because Reno wasn't big enough. Um, yep. There's there great deals in Reno, but my company just, it was just not big enough. And part of it is, you know, there's a perceived risk when you're a giant lender. And part of it is I want to be able to sell this property whenever and wherever I want. I want something that is a big enough so that the other big institutions are going to say yes. If it, yes, if, this is in absolutely. Where I'm, if, it, if this is in, if it's in a market where I'm the only big institution playing, I can't sell it to anybody. Yeah. Yeah. You have to look at what's your exit strategy going to be. Absolutely. And so the problems you're solving for people are uh, getting sophisticated opportunities um, and the returns and, and the kind of uh, fun projects that are associated with a professional developer type investor who does this for a living. Uh, and you're right, you, you get deal flow. And that sounds like something, but uh, for people who don't know, when you're in residential, there's a, a multiple listing service. So every home is on 15 websites uh, within seconds of it going on one. And in commercial, there, there are kind of sites, but there's lots of brokers who know a deal's coming and they yep. aren't going to put it on those. And so they go to, there's a small number of big investors that they know, and they will, they'll call these this number of investors to say hey i got this deal and so yeah, they, you got to be on the list right yeah you, yeah you got to be on the list and i guess the other thing is um i've always kind of ascribed to the the theory that man you've got to know what your investment box is what kind of projects am i really good at making money at and you only invest in projects that fit your box but mm -hmm. Caliber's got like a couple different boxes. Yeah. You know, let, let me, I, yeah, let me... I, I, I always found that really interesting that you have the ability to get good at a bunch of different property types and different um, flexible locations. That's not, that's not a trivial thing. Um, how did you get good at that? You know, a lot of it was uh, based on the way that the company was built was to, to find these displacements in the marketplace. And if we realize that, hey, you know, the easy deals um, to find aren't in single family or multifamily, but it's moved over into office or industrial, or medical or hospitality. Let's go out and find who are the experts at that industry, you know, who has been doing this their whole career that want to kind of plug themselves into what we're doing at Caliber, where we can find the deal, execute the deal, but we not we may not be the expert at managing medical office buildings or operating hospitals. So we're going to find a partner who can do that. And I'll use an example about how Caliber got involved in uh, behavioral health. Uh, because this is uh, an area of huge growth opportunity across the country, especially because of where we're at coming off of the, the pandemic and how mental health has and behavioral health has really kind of come out of the shadows. And it's something that people more openly talk about, which means that more people are seeking treatment, but there's a lack of these facilities available. So uh, Caliber had no background in operating behavioral healthcare hospitals. Uh, when we were approached by a healthcare REIT that had a tenant that was looking to expand into the greater Phoenix market, 
they recognize that being in an opportunity zone, finding a value added deal, either on vacant land or a vacant building that we could acquire, renovate and convert into behavioral healthcare hospital uh, was a great way to add value back to the community. We created over a hundred jobs, uh, long-term, not just the construction related. Uh, helping thousands of people receive mental health care uh, and, and, and traditional health care services that they weren't otherwise getting because there's a shortage of this. So that one example of Caliber finding a partner that was an expert at operating these hospitals, uh, we signed a long-term lease with them. And then when other operators in the healthcare industry, including some big name national companies said, we also see the opportunity to expand into these other markets, Caliber was one of the companies that they would approach. So Caliber is very likely to build at least 20 more of these behavioral healthcare hospitals um, uh, over the next few years because of that one experience, not because we know how to operate a hospital, but because we found the right partners and then we bring in the right asset management team to be able to execute on those and then create you know, uh, a, a value for our investor because a lot of our investors, as an example, might be a doctor uh, who sold a practice or a, a medical technology company. They had capital gains related to that. Uh, and because they understand the medical industry, they wanna focus on either being a retired doctor or running and growing their business. And then they come to Caliber so we can give them that uh, investment experience in uh, the medical office space with these specific tax advantages of the Opportunity Zone program. Wow, very cool. So yeah, I always say there's no there's no slow boring days at Caliber. It's just yeah. a matter of you know figuring out how to execute and uh, get the team aligned, uh, all all moving in the right direction on behalf of our investors. So great segue, getting the team aligned. Um, I'm really big on making sure that everybody in the company understands who your customers are, what outcomes they're looking for, and then understanding how their job connects to getting that investor that outcome. Um, what kind of time, what kind of energy, what kind of things do you do to make sure that you do that at Caliber? You know, that's a great question. And a lot of it comes back to the corporate culture, um, helping everyone in the company understand who they're ultimately serving. And in our case, it's our investors, our stakeholders, our shareholders, including the internal team, uh, because we're all incentivized with being uh, being able to be owners of the company, uh, but also the communities that we're serving. Uh, so one of the first things that we always do is say, well, just because it might be a good real estate investment, is that what the community needs? Um, and then helping our team understand who we're working on behalf of. And ultimately, it's the investors. So these are people that throughout their lives have worked very hard to get to where they are and have, have chosen Caliber to be one of the companies that they might be designated 5, 10, 15, 20% of the overall portfolio because they like this value add opportunistic real estate play that we can bring them. So a lot of it is just helping our teammates understand who we're ultimately serving um, and then uh, creating that alignment around our different uh, corporate values. Very cool. Um, you also mentioned that you're also making sure that the communities you serve are being met, that the partners that you're leasing to, that their needs are being met. Uh, and making sure that everybody's happy. Um, what's, what's the, 
what's the name of the book? Win-win or I won't. Win, yeah, yeah. Win, win, yeah win, we're win always or, going for that. Win-win win, win, or win. no deal. Yeah, win-win. Yeah, or exactly. Win. Yeah. Um, I think that's I think that's great. Uh, how do you like working with Caliber? Oh, it's been amazing. Uh, I've been in Caliber for almost eight years now, uh, and it was it was a way to help me combine together a lot of my prior background and experience. I mean, you know, I'm a I'm a, a simple farm kid that grew up in Ohio and didn't really realize what entrepreneurship was um, until you know I got to Scottsdale, Arizona, and started meeting people who were very good at identifying where there was a need in the community and how do I create a, a way to solve that problem. And one of the ways to do that is launch companies. So I, when I met Chris Loeffler and Jennifer Schrader, the two co-founders of Caliber, who really created Caliber to solve that way to help successful individuals uh, be able to reinvest back into their own community through real estate, uh, it really kind of helped me realize uh, that if I was helping a successful investor um, reinvest back into the community, it did create that win-win-win. But what I didn't realize growing up is that my dad uh, was an entrepreneur. Uh, he was a farmer and he owned his own business, but because he went to work every day, I just thought that he had a job. Well, he did, but that's because he owned a business. So you know, a farmer is one of the ultimate entrepreneurs because you don't, there's a lot of things that happen on a farm you have absolutely no control over. The weather, commodity prices, um, you know, what, what, what type of crop is going to be in market, you know, six months to nine months after you grow it. So there's a lot of risk in being a farmer, just like being a business owner. So I didn't, I didn't really fully appreciate the fact that my dad was an entrepreneur. He never actually had a job because he just owned a farm and he owned his own business. Uh, and it didn't really click with me um, until much later in life, almost into my 30s and I'm 50 now, uh, about what entrepreneurship was. So I like the fact that Caliber is very innovative, very entrepreneurial. And we have some pretty cool examples of how we've been able to help other uh, other people start and grow their businesses within the, within the real estate and technology industry. Yeah. So um, you obviously have to be really careful about describing specific opportunities and stuff. Uh, if people do want to know more, how can they get a hold of you um, in a way that doesn't run afoul of securities laws? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, my name is spelled funny. So uh, Brian, B-R-I-O-N, Crum. Um, super easy to find on the internet. If you just do a Google search, I have to be very careful to behave myself because as far as I can tell, there is only myself with that exact name. Uh, people can email me, uh, brian.crum at caliberco.com. Uh, you can see the name of the company on the wall behind me. Uh, I'm, in my, I'm in my fake office right now. Um, so brian.crum at caliberco.com. Uh, they could also call me on my cell phone, 480-881-1906. Uh, feel free to connect with me on uh, LinkedIn uh, or just reach out to Market Bounty Consulting. Yeah, well, you can always get me in touch. I can absolutely get you in touch, uh, and I can I can vouch for Brian's character and the fact that the stuff he's telling you um, this isn't this isn't an act. Um, they are genuinely uh, very concerned with all of their their stakeholder groups. Um, Brian is a class individual, um, and I'm really. I'm, I'm proud to know you and I'm sorry we've waited so long to get you on the on the podcast. Well, uh, Mark, I feel the same way and uh, it's great to finally be on the show with you.
thanks a lot, Brian. And thanks everybody for joining us on the Value Clarity Podcast, where we remind you that value only exists in your customer's mind, which means that business is a lot more like brain surgery than you might have thought. Thanks and have a high value day. Well, it ain't easy, cause value's in your buyer's brain. If you're selling on only your features, you're gonna drive over you insane. And if you ignore your customers' outcomes, you're bound to be paying your dues, cause you'll be singing those old don't know value blues. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.